The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from large inside of an ice stalk of a Dalek, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. <laughs> Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 307. No, I, I, well, I, actually, I think it's 308 now, aren't we? Yes, 308. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me is Dave A.C. Cooper. Uh, indeed, I am. Indeed, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you hadn't heard me then for a minute. Uh, we'll do a mind meld instead. Contact. I <laughs> don't have the sound effect for that. Well, just to give you a yep, little... It's good to be here. Uh, well, it's great to have you back. Um, but speaking of clips, let's, let's uh, give us a little taste of what we're about to review today. Once again, this is Louis Trapani, and joining me is Dave Cooper, fresh off the heels of the Colton Collective. And uh, and those that are joining us from the Colton Collective, we welcome you as well. And, and everyone else that are joined us right now live via TalkShoe, you're welcomed as well. And, um, and those that are listening later, of course, you're always welcome. <laughs> and you can always join us uh, live as well. If you do, uh, feel free to give us a call. The number here while we're live is 7 7- Two four, which is the area code, then four 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 seven four four four. That's the phone number for Talk Shoe, and you can call. Like I said, while we're live, and the call ID for the show is two three three five eight. And um, 
And if you're not listening live, well, we always accept your feedback and um, want to hear what you have to say as well. You can always send us feedback. You can call the uh, well, the, the, you can call the Podshock public call box. Uh, of course, you could also send us feedback at feedback at podshock.net. The public call box number is two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. And um, we'll repeat those later on in the show. So, hey, Dave. You know, I'm <laughs> I, I had a mathematics teacher with me now. Somebody call Mr. Pink to help me out with all those numbers. Yeah, you have, well, could, I definitely use uh, some help there with those numbers. But, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, you know, you get, without your help, without that sort of assistance, you just get, you just be blue about it. Uh, 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 and the reason why I was slightly del- uh, slow in coming back to you there, I was actually just reading some numbers myself. I was just looking on the Doctor Who News .net site, saying that um, the overnight viewing figures for Into the Dalek, uh, 5.2 million in the UK watched Into the Dalek, uh, just a, a share on a slightly under 25% share of the total audience. So, um, well, uh, no doubt once they add in the uh, the you know the iPlayer ones, that'll boost that by a couple of million more. Seems a little bit low to me that, but uh, there you go. Well, well, that brings us to the the the, the news item that I was going to bring up was that the the uh, figures for last week's show was very good. It was um, I, I believe it was um, I, I don't have the numbers um, with me, but I know nine point one seven. Yeah, so that was um, one of the, I think, the biggest since 2010, as far as... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it includes, uh, the final figure is much more accurate than the uh, overnight one, of course. It includes all those who watched the program one week from transmission. Um, the final rating makes the Doctor Who the second highest rating program for the week on British television, behind the Great British Bake Off, which there was scandal upon. You see, that's probably boosted their ratings. There was a big news item about that that boosted their viewing figures to 9.28 million. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't, and again, I don't have the figures for this either, but I just happened to notice yesterday when I was uh, checking iTunes for the latest um, Doctor Who episode, last week's episode was still in the top 10. It was like number three. So it's, it's, been enjoying a um, its time in the spotlight on iTunes as well. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, for instance, of course, it was only a day or so ago that uh, BBC Three uh, re-showed um, Doctor Who um, uh, Deep Breath. And one of the things now that's a bit of an advantage here in the UK that wasn't in the prior series was that BBC Three now is also HD. Uh, and there were snobby people like me who once had watched Doctor Two in HD, even though it was repeated on, uh, 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 you know, on the, BBC One. It was in HD, even though it was repeated on BBC Three. I would think, oh, it's in standard definition. I'm not watch that. Uh, but now uh, I think there are more people that are quite happy to time shift if it clashes with something else because uh, they know they can still see it in high definition. And indeed, the BBC iPlayer, of course, now allows you to download it in both standard definition and high definition. So um, um, the, the whole way that things people consume this sort of thing is changing. But there's no doubt about it with that whirlwind tour. It's whipped up a frenzy. I think uh, the first episode was shown uh, fairly 
uh, near together in, I think it was nine major countries were announced at the time of it airing, uh, and obviously many more countries show it. Uh, I don't know if you call it syndication, but uh, what have you. But I'll tell you what, uh, it's made a, a certainly big impact within two weeks here. Uh, but no doubt we're going to talk about that as the show develops. Yeah, definitely. Um, so basically, I, that's really the the biggest news story that, that I was aware of was really the ratings and how well it did last week. I don't think, I think there was any, any further developments of anything further that we spoke about last week as far as um, anything else goes. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, um, there was a, a Into the Dalek poster, the, the Radio Times uh, produced a free downloadable poster for the Yeah, for the I saw that. I s- a little bit of uh, that. Uh, but on a very quick and uh, unfortunately sad note, um, you remember on Podshock only recently uh, we reviewed Enemy of the World mm-hmm. uh, and Bill Kerr, who played Giles Kent uh, in that Enemy of the World one that we talked about, um, has just died at age 92. Oh, wow. Uh, made his name here in the UK, made his name here in the UK on radio with uh, Tony Hancock, uh, but he was in all sorts of things and he was a, became a great character actor as well as a comedian mainly a supporting uh, actor, but uh, actually I've seen a couple of things he really was a good actor um, I'm trying to remember the the one that I most remember him from uh, and that's good because I can't even remember the name I most remember him one um, it was the Dam, it was the Dam Busters wasn't it I think he was in that but he was in awful lot of stuff but uh, yeah, a little bit of sad news. Uh, Ninety-two, one might say, well, it, it, you know, t- it, it comes to everyone. But uh, as I say, it was only recently when we did those two missing episodes that had been discovered: uh, Enemy of the World and the Weather Fear. And he played a major part in the oh, Enemy of the World. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I hadn't heard about his passing. So, um, you know, thanks for letting us know. Yeah. It's always uh, it's always said when you know, obviously when stuff like that happens. And if you want any other Doctor Who related news, uh, Doctor Who's going to come to Minecraft on the Xbox as well. That's another piece of news on DoctorWhoNews.net, which is unusual, I think, in terms of the fact of licensing out the Doctor Who characters for Minecraft, which to me seems to be a a, a big phenomenon. The son plays it, and lots of people I know online. Yeah, uh, Logan, that's Bruce, uh, Media Outsiders, uh, is a big fan of it. Seems to get people really involved with it. Uh, yeah, I haven't played it. I know of it, I, but I'd, um, I didn't realize. So they're they're putting out like a a version of it that's Doctor Who themed, or they're or they're somehow Doctor Who is going to be incorporated into it. Or I'm not really sure how that's going to work. Yeah, yeah, the the the. the um the Minecraft for the Xbox edition is going to be like a Doctor Who edition. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're constantly looking for new and innovative, those sort of ways, to bring Doctor Who content to royal fans. Working in collaboration with Microsoft, we created an exciting new product which will allow the Doctor Who fans to create our own brand new adventures in the heart of this iconic, iconic world of Warcraft. Well, hopefully it'd be something good. I mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't played Minecraft, but I know it's very popular. But I've also played a lot of the recent Doctor Who video games, and they've been less than satisfying. <laughs> so I, um, I'm always holding out hope that 
someone will get it right and um, and we'll have a good Doctor Who video game. If maybe if they they I you know if they cap if they sort of like capture a model of like Simpsons Tapped Out or something like that. It's a very popular game where it's not you know violent. You're not shooting it or anything like that, but you can have fun with it. I, I don't know. And, and since we're doing a bit of news, let me also mention that Hooverville Six was on on Saturday. That's just gone, um, and that, that was. I mean, Peter Davidson was there. I saw um, uh, Luke from uh, the Minute um, uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. He, he was interviewing him on stage. So that was at Derby, a one-day event uh, organised by Steve Hatcher and uh, the uh, you know the Hooverville group. Well, um, Peter Davison reminds me, uh, just bringing it to our listeners' attention, if you're not aware of it, um, it's available on iTunes, and I'm, I'm assuming it was on BBC America, and, and it was on BBC, that uh, there were a couple documentaries that Peter Davison hosted, um, The Ultimate Time Lord and um, The Ultimate Companion, I think might have been the other one, um, which um, is um, interesting for any, any Doctor Who fan. They were approximately an, an hour each, maybe 45 minutes, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, and, and as the name applies, one focuses on uh, Doctor Who uh, companions and, um, and the other as uh, the ultimate Time Lord is the ingredients that make up the Doctor. But it's, it also covers Doctor Who in general. And if you get the season pass from um, iTunes, it's included in that. All right. Well, I think without any further ado, we'll jump into our review. But before we do, as always... Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. So as you get the drift, there'll be spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen Doctor Who into Dalek, into the Dalek, um, this week's episode, um, you may want to stop this episode, stop this podcast now until you have. And then, um, but I'm sure if you're listening this far, you you, you know what we're doing, and um, you're here for the for the review, spoilers and all. So we're assuming that you have seen it. Where the hell have you been? You sent me for coffee three weeks ago in Glasgow. Three weeks, that's a long time. In Glasgow. That's dead in a ditch. It's not my fault. I got distracted. I'm what? You can always find something. Come on. Why were you smiling? Was I? No, I wasn't. You were smiling at nothing. I'd almost say you were in love, but to be honest... Honest? You're not a young woman anymore. Yes, I am. Well, you don't look it. I do look it. Oh, that's right. Keep your spirits up. Clara, 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 Clara. Clara, Clara. <laughs> I need something from you. I need the truth. Okay. Right. What is it? What's. You're scared. I'm terrified. Of what? The answer to my next question. This must be honest cold and considered without kindness or restraint. Clara, be my pal. Tell me. My good man. I... 
offense, but I've got plans. I need you. Right. Where are we going? Into darkness. Dark. Dark. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, those are uh, there were a few people in po- in chat. Uh, posting that the clip was breaking up, and I know that happens sometimes on, on the live show, on the talk show live show. Uh, it doesn't. It's not on the clip itself, and it's, um, on, on the recording of this show, it won't be broken up. So, uh, I do apologize for those listening live. Um, I don't know why that happens on talk show. It's um, I don't know if it has to do with um, the um, the volume or the noise gate that it uses. Um, I'm not sure. It's usually upload speed. Anyway, moving along. All right, so let's let's talk about um, Into the Dalek. It's now it's um, it's directed. Well, it's written. Let's, let's go first with writing. It's it's written by Phil Ford and Stephen Moffat, and it's directed by Ben Wheatley. And obviously, it's the second episode of the new series of 2014, and the second full episode with um, Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as uh, Clara Oswald. And it introduces a um, what, what I'm assuming will be an ongoing new character. Uh, Samuel Anderson is playing Danny Pink, in, um, you know, which, which is introduced in this episode. Just going back to the clip that was since we just played that clip, I have to say I, I did enjoy the interplay there in that scene between uh, the Doctor and and Clara there, and I also love the the um, relationship or the interplay again um, between Danny Pink and Clara and how that's that's coming along as well. It's um, interesting uh, some of the editing that was done in the show, some non-linear editing. In this opening, um, in the opening of the, well, actually, it extends further into just the opening. Of it, um, but in the f- the first quarter of the episode, you see a lot of that kind of um, sort of time shifting, you know. But uh, it it works to tell the story. Uh, but speaking of the opening teaser, it it did. If you remember the how this episode opens, and it it right before the credits. You, um, the doctor opens up, uh, is 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 brought into this room, and you see a Dalek there. It has wires and whatever attached to it. So it did have a little echoes there of um, of the uh, the episode Dalek, the the um, Christopher Eccleston episode called Dalek. Um, little uh, reminders of that there. Yeah, I think it was goading go, the uh, long-time viewers. Of, I, I mean, I think there were a couple of chains there, but I think he was. I think that was deliberate, sort of, you know, uh, so, so just so that the fans yeah. are just about to scream, "This is a rerun of Dalek." <laughs> oh no, it isn't. Just watch. Keep watching. Yeah, well, I have to say that I've, you know, I, I as a matter of policy, I try to avoid spoilers. You know, um, even, even though I do a podcast with Doctor Who, I try to avoid learning about the story content before their broadcast. I rather see it fresh. So I know this episode had been leaked. I did not see it leaked. I, I understand. I don't know if it was a black and white copy. I think the the um, deep breath was leaked as well, and it was a black and white work work print or whatever. Um, I think there were. It was. Um, I forgot where it was from. Brazil or South America, I think somewhere. And um, maybe I think they were in, they were using it to um, 
to put captions or clo- I don't know what the, whatever um, doesn't really matter. But it was it got on onto the internet and I ordered it. Also, there was um the script or a synapse of the story or something of that, and I avoided that as well. So, um, but what I couldn't avoid is the title, and the title is into the Dalek. And when I first saw that title, I said, Oh no, they're not, they're not, you know, rehashing this theme of going inside of a Dalek. They're they're of course speaking metaphorically, you know, figuratively, you know, getting inside. And and it's weird because in the episode itself, you know, Clara and the doctor have this dialogue. Um, Well, how do you, you know, Clara Clara goes, well, how do you get into the, into a Dalek's head? You know, thinking the same way I was thinking, maybe they they weren't talking um, in the literal sense. And then, the doctor corrected her, and yes, it is that um, that that familiar theme that you know. And then Doctor makes a mention of the movie. It doesn't it doesn't say Fantastic Voyage, but he said you know it makes a um, it makes a good film. It, it, it would make for a good film, I think he says. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, obviously they knew what they were doing, and, and they were trying to um, you know, I guess um, maybe poking fun out of it the, themselves. Um, before the you know before the audience, but it's been a, it's um, it's a theme that's that's seen its day in science fiction. Um, Lost in Space had an episode called Trip Through the Robot. Star Trek had the Immunity Syndrome. Um, even Doctor Who, the Invisible Enemy, uh, they, they we, we go into um, the Fourth Doctor, um, the clones of, of the Fourth Doctor and Leela are, are are inserted into the into the Doctor. So it, it's something that we've seen before, though if you're a Lost in Space fan, it, it has, in Lost in Space, it's not, uh, they, they don't get shrunken down. Oh, oh, and you mentioned the Radio Times fly. Once I saw the Radio Times graphic, that image, that, you, that poster that you just mentioned, then I knew for sure they're being shrunk. <laughs> so I, I knew from that point, oh, they, they're, they're actually going to do it. But in the in the Lost in Space episode from 1967, Trip Through the Robot, it's sim- very similar because uh, except for they're not being shrunk, it's the robot uh, um, it gets larger, and then um, um, Will Robinson and and um, and Doctor Smith go into him, and later his father and and Don um, follow through as well. And if you indulge me, I have a, a little, just this is a couple minutes from that, and just you can hear some echoes from that episode. Um, again, it's not straightforward re- rehashing, but uh, I, I'm going to say they must have been inspired or giving nods to it because um, the, the robot talks to them while they're in him, and um, there's some similar themes going on. So um, indulge me for a couple minutes here. I've got a solution for that, too. All we have to do is take off these four bolts. I fail to see how that would help. Well, that would loosen the robot's treads and give us enough room. Room for what? To go inside the robot, of course. Then we can make our way to his chest section and make all the necessary repairs. Here. Good thing I brought these tools along. Inside the robot. For the pain. The pain. Where should we go? Perhaps this way? No, this way. Oh, Dr. Smith. Warning, danger. Uh, what is it? It is my infrared heat-seeking laser unit. Is it dangerous? Exceedingly. Its purpose is to destroy alien bodies in my interior. Uh, do something, you blithering movie. Stop it. We are not alien bodies. Unfortunately, in here you are. Ah! Dr. Smith, get down! 
truth, so am I. I better go find him. There is no time, Will Robinson. My power is rapidly dwindling. If you do not accomplish your task quickly, it will be too late. But what about Dr. Smith? I shall locate and direct him to my computer zone. He can meet you there. I guess you're right. Now I shall give you instructions how to proceed. Listen carefully. You must avoid the center section of my body as it is radioactive by going through my audio canal. Check. William! Oh, William, where are you? Oh, it's another one! Get away! Ah! All right. <laughs> Well, that's a little uh, clip from almost 50 years ago. Uh, it was 1967, so it's not exactly 50 years ago. But um, you can see um, certain themes there that were um, th- that were in use with last night's episode. But it's okay. It's all right. Whatever. You know, probably the most of the audience there won't remember that Lost in Space episode, or or maybe probably didn't see Invisible Enemy, or or the or even Fantastic Voyage, the movie itself. But it's like I said, it's uh, a, uh, uh, William Hartnell in Planet of the Giants. Yeah. So, but I, I love the fact that it takes place in the future in space. It's not on Earth, <laughs> so it was good to see a, a little, like you know, a little taste of soap opera, a space opera there. So, but 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 getting back to the miniaturization, once they, you know, um, they, they get into the into this uh, the medical facility there, and the doctor recognizes what's what the equipment is, and um, you know, and it's it's used to miniaturize to go and, and treat patients and all that. It was just, uh, I felt it was, it, it lacked any um, explanation why they needed to be miniaturized, um, why they couldn't really do what they had to do um, in a, um, you know, without being miniaturized, you know, um, it, it just seemed like, okay, well, it was just a given that that's, that's the way to do it. Maybe it is in this time of the future, you know, I, I, w- I would just imagine that, you know, f- certain medical conditions require certain treatments and, um, and you know, if you have a broken arm, you wouldn't need to be miniaturized to fix a broken arm. So um, I, I just it didn't seem like there was enough explanation on why they needed to go inside the Dalek to find out why this Dalek is different than other Daleks. Well, well, they did say that they'd, they'd found it and they hadn't realized at first that there was a creature inside it until they heard its screams. And then presumably they thought they realized or thought that if they tried to remove it from its encasing to operate on it, that would in itself kill it. And basically they had it on live support. Uh, and then this opportunity came because they didn't know the doctor was coming. They hadn't sent for him. He, he was simply uh, the, 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 the soldier journey uh, blue that he'd saved. He was bringing her to the, the ship. Uh, I thought it was slightly mistitled because it was something like um, uh, a nano something. Well, we all know about nanotechnology. I mean, that's almost smaller than you can see. And these seem to be, uh, especially when you see Clara looking out through into the into the room, they, they seem to be shrunk down to something like, I don't know, one inch in size or something of that order. It uh, certainly had to be small enough. We all know what the size of a, a yeah. Sutherland's eye stalk is. Yeah, they, they, the they, tube were, they weren't microscopic. Uh, they were six yeah. or eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They weren't microscopic. They weren't injected in via a syringe or anything. I quite like the effect as they went through the eye. I'm assuming the the implication there was that the, the eye has some sort of 
you know, fluid like our own eye has inside it, although they seem to be breathing, so maybe it wasn't fluid. It was some sort of, um, you know, porous membrane that they had stepped through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it, it, and it worked that quick editing at the beginning. It did, however, undercut for me some of the things that I mentioned, uh, as I said, from uh, Deep Breath last week. Uh, the fact that you know we had that surprise with Matt Smith doctor calling and mm-hmm. asking Clara to help him through uh, his regeneration and uh, and then the doctor appealing to her don't talk to him on the phone I'm here in front of you you know I need your help and then here we have straight away uh, you know she's back at school and she as you say when the doctor arrives with those cof- uh, coffee or tea whatever mm-hmm. it was uh, she said you've been gone for three weeks. And in that time, he's, he's uh, redecorated the TARDIS. He's got his new outfit. He seems very much more composed as he did in the first episode. So if he needed her, why did he disappear from her for three weeks? Now, admittedly, it was three weeks in Clara's timeline. Yeah. You could argue, been. well, it may have been no time in his. But on the other hand, he had developed a look, a style. He had changed the interior of the TARDIS. Um, for all we know, he could have been away, you know, uh, well, any number of years. Didn't he, sure he, he change? Writers... Didn't he change the interior of the TARDIS last episode in Deep Breath? Um, you know, and uh, Clara says, "Oh, I don't like it. You redecorated." Oh, it might have done, yeah. yeah. But it, certainly, the point is that in this initial stage where he's asking for her help, he's been absent for most of it. Yeah, it did. I, I thought it was kind of surprising too how this opened. I'm like, well, where's Clara? Where's Clara? You know, I'm looking underneath the console. I'm looking, you know, I don't see her around. And then, you know, then we figure out, oh, she dropped, he dropped her off on Earth again. You know, it's we're doing one of these things, yeah, um, which um, the 11th Doctor did um, for a time there, kept on going back and picking up Clara and dropping off her. You know, she wasn't staying on board. Yeah, she was abandoned, and he, he, you know, he wanted, perhaps in his days, and perhaps Clara understood this, that uh, he, he got back to the TARDIS and, uh, and flew away, forgetting that he had a companion at that point. Yeah. He's been off having uh, big Finnish adventures. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Sharas. Maybe one day. Right, right now, their license don't include these newer Doctors. I think that they, they can only use, big Finnish can only use up until um, the eighth Doctor, I believe. But you never know that, right. that 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 could change one time in in some time. So, so did you think this uh, episode uh, went in terms of pacing? Because one of the things that I, well, a few people that I know criticised first one was because it was the the feature length episode. Um, the pacing seemed to be a little to and fro. This to me seemed to be um, very much uh, you know a standard episode, but. Um, I'm trying to think of the nearest thing to it. I mean, almost it springs to mind something like 42 to me. Uh, not the storyline, but in terms of, you know, you're thrown right mm-hmm. in the deep end. Yeah, I thought the pacing was quicker, uh, especially the second time, you know, watching it the second time, it, it just seems like whiz by much quicker. Um, it always happens because the first time you're absorbing everything and, and it just seems to take, you know, a little longer. But I, I did think the pacing was, was quicker and perhaps... The resolution was was kind of quick too, which um, seems. I mean, it, um, it seems to be sometimes the case with with Phil Ford. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but I'm just saying it seems like it just sort of um, 
you know, um, the, the Daleks at the end, Rusty says that um, that he sent a signal to uh, the other Daleks, you know, went away and and then the episode sort of comes to an end and we don't really know, you know, so is Rusty saying there? You know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't satisfying in that respect. You know, it felt like there was, it, it left me wanting well, the, more. The implication, the implication was he'd gone off to, to fight them, hadn't he? I don't know. He'd gone off to, to he, he, he carry was, in his war. He was heading him. to the door, and that was that was it. You know, <laughs> I, it's I don't know. I, right. Uh, I mean, there, there was. I mean, I mean, not a spoiler for any future story, but in the actual leaked script, apparently there was a, a further development in that storyline uh, that was left at that point. Maybe, as you say, leaving it a little ambiguous. But um, the resolution, that if there was any quick resolution, and the, even the doctors sort of again, there seemed to be an awful lot here, by the way, of, of the writer, or maybe you could say Stephen Moffat uh, adding these touches, to try and deflect uh, fan criticism. I mean, for instance, um, mm-hmm. we had the, uh, the uh, sonic screwdriver used as an art welding torch to seal up this... Uh, this the radiation two inch thick metal scar, yeah, yeah a radiation leak, uh, and it's almost as though I know the fans will be saying, "Blooming that you could use the blooming sonic screwdriver for everything." So we better put a line in there, you know. Sometimes a quick resolution is an anticlimax. You know what I mean? Um, uh, there seems to be a lot of this self-effacing commentary within the storyline. Yeah, well, like I said, they even touch. They even, you know touch upon the movie without saying that Fantastic Voyage, they, you know, the Doctor says it would make a great movie, it would, you know, he, he, he again, it seemed like the same thing, you know, he's sort of like apologizing for it uh, before it happens, or, or acknowledging it, maybe it might be a better word. Daleks must die. Daleks must die. So, what do we do with a moral Dalek, then? We get into his head. Hmm. How do you get into a Dalek's head? That wasn't a metaphor. These are nano-controllers. And once we're miniaturized, they take over the molecular compression. When the mission's over, hit the button. Are you sure you understand? Why wouldn't I? Because this is a dangerous mission and you look like a school teacher. I am a school teacher. Still didn't catch your name. Journey. Blue. Blue? Blue, yes. Problem. Oh, uh, I just met a soldier called Pink. Lucky fella. Lucky. And the way you smile. So, uh, it makes you smile. There's nobody up for the job. My brother. But he burnt to death a couple of hours ago, so he's really letting me down today. Excuse me. What are those ones for? I don't need armed babysitters. We're not babysitters. We're here to shoot you dead if you turn out to be a Dalek spy. Well, that's a relief. I hate babysitters. Okay, listen up. Now remember, do not hold your breath when the nanoscaler engages. You'll feel like you want to, but you must keep breathing normally during the miniaturization process. Why? Never microwave the lasagna without pricking the foam on top. It explodes. Don't be lasagna. Nanoscaler engaging in five, four, three, two. Nanoscaler engaging. Nine.
Nanoscaling successful. Everyone okay in there? We made it. Nobody popped. There's quite a few one-liners in there, wasn't there? You know, I, uh, thank God you're not babysitters. I hate babysitters. And uh, mm -hmm. there's another thing where he introduces uh, Clara as um, he's not, she's not his assistant, and she says, I'm his carer. Yeah, so, and, I, uh, so the she cares, says, so I don't uh, have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th those, were, th those were lovely lines. Uh, uh, but... I mean, this is a bit of a transition, isn't it? Can can you imagine the Matt Smith as as in the Lodger episode, knowing how you could cook a blooming lasagna in a microwave? He wouldn't. I mean, the the change yeah. is so. Yeah, Matt so Smith was a that. In, in especially in Lodger, he was he was a, a fish out of water, you know, and he seemed so. Um, alien to um, to um, you know Earth culture, and then which is kind of bizarre since the, you know he spent so much time on Earth. You know, he, you would think yeah. he would caught on a little bit more. So that his um, behavior in larger seemed a little out of place. So, but um, I, I, I think um, I don't know. I I do like um, Peter Capaldi's more of a his laid laid-back approach, you know, where um, both um, the 10th and 11th Doctors were sort of, I don't know how to kind of describe it, but like jumpy and, and sort of hyper and, um, and, and uh, Peter Capaldi's more, uh, you know, laid-back. Uh, Tom in chat says um, he's more serious or, um, you know, so I, I like, I'm, I'm enjoying that approach a little bit more. You know, to the Absolutely. character. Um, how did you cope with his um, his, his uh, delivery of lines? Uh, did you find that uh, you were able to follow it? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I know it sounds silly, Senate, because Craig Ferguson came from the same place. But I was thinking uh, you can almost hear Craig Ferguson play, delivering some of those lines. Yeah, there's. Uh, I I don't know if it's. Um if it's iTunes or if it's if it's just the the Dolby mix or whatever, sometimes it's hard to um, to discern what um, not not so much him, but some of the other characters. Um, even like uh, um, was it Journey's Blue? I I didn't Journey Blue. I didn't I didn't catch her first name was Journey. I I you know just stuff like that. Little like little right. things here and there. I I would miss and. Um, and, and, and again, I wasn't sure if it was just me or, or it was just that they're, they're talking quickly and, uh, and I'm just missing it between the accent and perhaps, um, you know, uh, whatever else is going on sound-wise in the scene. Right. So I, it is interesting that I, I guess it was deliberate that they, they had a character named Blue. Well, they had two characters because the other one was the uncle. Um, but she was... Um, uh, traditionally, cliche speaking, blue is for boys and pink is for girls, and you had the male being pink and the female major character being blue. Well, there, yeah, and that's why I'm wondering whether this this actual uh, new teacher at the Cold School is actually not going to be, you know, a, a contemporary, you know, a, a person from Earth. Who's uh, who's at Coal Hill School just as a standard teacher? Uh, I'm wondering whether the the war that he's you know when he has that scene in the the classroom where he's upset about somebody he killed, 
uh, whether in actual fact he's a refugee from a, a different time, a different war zone, uh, maybe even from the same time as this uh, journey blue, maybe you know from a different continent or a different uh, a, a different aspect of that maybe the different regiments you know were different colors of uh, you know signed different colors to differentiate between them um and uh, there, there was a lot of things here that um that, that developed the story but uh, i i mean there was first of all there was what seemed at first to be a slightly callous thing when they were inside the dalek and um, one of the uh soldiers you know fires off and the doctor says, no, 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 don't do that. You've, uh, you've set off its immune system, in a sense. And uh, we think, oh, well, the doctor's going to save him. The doctor's going to save him. He, he says, here, swallow this. And we think, you know, it's some, I don't know, some gadget that he, that he keeps in his pocket. And it's not. It's a, a, a little miniature power source. And once he's swallowed it, he'll be able to um, follow where they take the remains to. Um, yeah. And uh, he has to say to, to the other one, no, I, was, I wasn't saving him, I was saving us. Uh, which underlines the earlier point about, you know, I don't need to care because Clara does. Mm -hmm. But he does care about those he can save. Uh, that person, unfortunately, uh, they'd already, uh, you know, been lost, as it were. Yeah, yeah, he was dead already. It was something like that, he said. Um, just to remind um, those we uh, those that are listening, maybe after the fact, that during the live show we also have chat going on as well, so you could participate that way. Um, Jim and Kathleen in chat uh, wrote, "I love Capaldi, but he's hard to understand." Good thing we watch him, watch them over and over again. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Guest Seven says, "Funny, I understand perfectly clear. I rewatch, re I rewatch on Amazon, not iTunes." So. Um, so yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I guess it depends on what maybe um, um, what sound system you have, and um, you know, and maybe what what your ears are used to hearing or something like that. But it, 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 I, I've noticed there was a few words there that I need to um, that I missed that I need to um, rewatch and catch. Oh, and and Kyle had mentioned putting closed captioning on, um, you know, so that's not an issue, and that's a good idea too. You know, if you find yourself yeah, missing and words. To Kim See McKinnon, um, uh, what does he put? Um, he talks too fast, Scotch speaks. His accent can't uh, make out his talk. Um, he's a little bit too Scottish, I think, they're implying there. Um, yeah, that's that's Tom. Um, and uh, I, But I love... Uh, I'm j jumping a few bits here. I love Capaldi, uh, Scottish to the core. Oh, I, uh, sorry, I can understand him perfectly because he's Scots like me. Sorry about that. Must have been reading from an earlier bit. Uh, yeah, Jim and Kathleen, just getting used to his accent. Once I do it, I'll be fine. But yeah. I, I, I said earlier today, um, he, he was talking, sounding so much like Craig Ferguson. Uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if he'd call the Dalek Jeff, not Rusty. <laughs> uh, and Jeff is, of course, the skeleton that he has on the Late Late Show. If, you know, he, he's leaving that. He's no longer going to be doing the, that Late Late Show. So his time, I know he's he's doing some other game show or something like that, but maybe his time might be more flexible. Maybe he'll, he could do a guest spot on Doctor Who. It would be interesting to see, um, you know, see him on the show in, in, a, in a guest role. 
I know he's. I mean, overall, I I, I like this episode in terms of uh, it was one of the few episodes recently where I've actually enjoyed it on first viewing. Uh, I've watched it. Uh, well, we're doing clips probably three times now, and I was worried that it was going to be one of these episodes that is actually very good on first initial viewings, but then when you started examining it, it would start to fall down. But I don't think so. I've, I, 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 this is probably one of the easiest episodes that I've found to just actually sit and watch the episode and uh, follow it through. There's enough background material. There's, a, there's enough little in-jokes. There's some great little sayings. We've mentioned a few already. Uh, I love the uh, fact that we had the, uh, the Dalek saying, resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. Although whether that should be more appropriate in a, you know, uh, with the Cybermen on board, because of course it's a skit at the uh, uh, the uh, the Borg, isn't it? Uh, using that line, uh, there was another line where the Daleks say, uh, "Seek, locate, and destroy," which uh, reminded me very much of Blake Seven. Um, mm-hmm. And I was saying before earlier that indeed there's um, there is actually an episode of Blake Seven called "Seek, locate, yeah, and destroy," where that. Travis is sent to. Uh, yeah, from episode six, I think it was. Um, it was nice to see the the, uh, the captain there, uh, Michael Smiley, play, uh, who plays in, uh, I know him from Luther, he himself know him from Luther. He was the bearded soldier, uh, mm-hmm. the one that played Uncle. Uh, there was an awful lot in this. Uh, I thought the inside of the Dalek was very well realised. The only thing that sort of threw me slightly out of it um, was that I always thought that the brain or the body of the Dalek was much higher up in it. This seemed to be showing it sort of really down in the centre part of the Dalek. But I suppose they had to have some sort of descent. You know, if, if they sort of walked through the outer skin and the first thing they saw was the objective, it wouldn't have mean much of a journey into it. And, um, of course, I'm sure like you, Ian... Uh, blimey, uh, Lewis <laughs> reminded you of uh, the miniscope and the the third Doctor story. Yeah, that's, monsters that's where true. That's I, I didn't you, I, I didn't think of it until right now. Yeah, that's true. I was hard to see, hard to figure out the geography of inside the Dalek because, um, like like you said, I I always see the Dalek being more towards the center upper portion of. You know, like the 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 chest area or neck area, whatever the chest or in, in that area. Um, in fact, we in in the episode Dalek, going back to the Christopher Eccleston episode. You know, the Dalek opened up its um, armor to reveal itself, and that's that's really where it was. And, and we've seen it before in past Doctor Who episodes, and that's another reason why, if they wanted to. Um, to figure out, you know, I guess maybe this Dalek couldn't do it or whatever, and that's why they had to miniaturize themselves and and get in there to figure out what's going on. I don't know. It's, it's it seemed to lack an explanation why they had to go inside the Dalek itself and why couldn't it just open itself up like we saw in the past. Uh, but we ha- we have had again uh, an episode where we've had a Dalek that's been affected, the the one that got trapped in the Time War. Um, the the um, mm-hmm. uh, was it Jurassic was it? Um, the one that got uh, Dalek, not Dalek Khan, was it? Something like that. Yeah, I, 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 remember I seem which to one remember. It yeah, it's it's hard yeah, to keep. The, the, the one, it's hard Dalek to keep Khan, up with all the Dalek you, stories. Yeah, Dalek Khan. It was Dalek Khan, and it was oh, stole Jenny's end, stolen Earth. Hey, I might have got two things right there, Lewis. I better be quiet. <laughs> ding <for a> ding. <laughs> 
We'll be back shortly with our live review of Into the Dalek. Into the Dalek is obviously a Dalek story, and it comes right on the heels of the regeneration, the post, the first full post-regeneration story with uh, Peter Capaldi, the Twelfth Doctor. So usually, when there's a regeneration, it's usually um, what usually follows not soon after that is a Dalek story. So the new Doctor can face his old foe once again. And uh, this was no exception here with Peter Capaldi um, having the second story of his uh, being the um, a Dalek story. But the tradition goes all the way back to the first regeneration. The first regeneration when William Hartner regenerates into Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor, was the regeneration story, was the post-regeneration story. And that was the power of the Daleks. Um, that goes back to 1966. So we're going to go back then. Um, for our selection for Audible this week. As you know, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150 titles. I mean, over 150,000 titles. Uh, They have over 150 titles too, but over 150,000 titles uh, to choose from in all different genres. That includes thrillers, romance, business, uh, comedy, and of course, science fiction. They got lots of science fiction Um, And a big selection of Doctor Who among that. Audible titles will play on on all different devices, including your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. So you have a chance to check them out and see if you like them or not. And um, if you decide that it's not for you, fine. You can cancel anytime and you keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. No strings attached. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. And if you can't get to that URL right now or you can't write it down, you're driving or whatever, have no fear. Go to podchock.net and you'll see links to the offer there as well. So as I said, what we try to do is uh, make a re- recommendation, uh, but you could choose whatever title you, you like that they have to offer for free. Um, so, um, but um, as I said, we, we do try to make a, a um, recommendation that somehow relates to what we're discussing this week in Doctor Who Pachak. So Doctor Who, The Power of the Daleks by David Whittaker. It's, um, it's, it's a, um, it, it takes the original audio from the episode with linking narration by Annika Wills and so you'll hear Patrick Troughton as the Doctor, and, um, and, and as I said, Annika Wills, who plays Polly in the story, uh, narrates um, everything so that you're not in the dark of what's going on that's not in the dialogue itself. So, uh, yeah, this is um, the first, this is when, this is, it's historical because it's not only the first time that the second Doctor meets up with the Daleks, but it's also the first time in Doctor Who that there's been a regeneration I mean, we take it for granted now, but this was a unique idea. This was something that, um, if proved to be, fa- you know, if it, if it proved failed, if it, it failed with the fans and it didn't, you know, if they didn't accept it, we wouldn't be watching Doctor Who, or it'd be a very different show now. It would be a, probably a reboot or whatever, a remake. And but what they had the unique idea is um, is to have the main character after um, if if. He's injured or um, comes to the end of his 
natural life term, whatever, he can regenerate and renew himself. And so this is, this is a, I'm going to play a scene and this is actually their reaction to it. You know, the, um, you have, um, as I said, Polly is in it, played by Annika Wills, and also Ben um, is uh, one of his other companions. So you'll hear them uh, both here reacting to um, Patrick Troughton's doctor right after he regenerated um, from William Hartnell. So this was like the first time. And um, and they're on this planet, uh, I believe it's Vulcan, no, no, no relation to, um, <laughs> to pointed-eared... Um, uh, likenesses that we're familiar with in Star Trek, but this is um, uh, but but they meet up with um, these uh, creatures in metallic um, um, armor or um, tanks or whatever, which um, we know to be Daleks. So, uh, but anyway, let's let's hear a little bit from the power of the Daleks right now. Benamira, the man gazes intently at his reflection. The face in the mirror has a mop of black hair and dark green eyes. Momentarily, the image blurs and changes to that of an older, white-haired man before changing back again. Apparently satisfied, the man turns his attention back to the storage chest. Have you done with this? Put it down, put it down. Now what's the game? Ah! The man turns, cheerfully brandishing an ornamental dagger. The Crusades, Saladin. The doctor was a great collector, wasn't he? But you're the doctor. Why oh, don't look like him? Who are we? Don't you know? The man rummages further and pulls out a piece of dull silver metal. His look of mischief fades as the object triggers a very clear memory. Extermination. The man stuffs the metal into his pocket. His concern turns to delight as he unearths a magnifying glass. Ah. He begins a careful study of his hands. Oh, very good. Nails need growing. Ben takes the doctor's ring from Polly. Now look, the doctor always wore this, so if you're in, it should fit now, shouldn't it? And slips it on the man's finger. It's far too big. There, that settles it. I'd like to see a butterfly fit into a chrysalis case after it spread its wings. Then you did change. Life depends on change and renewal. Oh, so that's it. You've been renewed, have you? I've been renewed, have I? That's it. I've been renewed. It's part of the TARDIS. Without it, I couldn't survive. Come here! Unexpectedly, the man rounds on Polly. Come here. Still rather nervous of this strange interloper, Polly steps closer. The doctor kept a diary, didn't he? Yes. I thought so. I wonder where. I wonder where. Ben and Polly watch as the man resumes his search of the chest. Very different, Dr. Ben. Yeah, maybe. Just where do we stand, though? The man has found something else in the chest, a recorder. He removes it with great care and stands flexing his fingers over the holes. His expression is one of pure childlike joy and convinces Polly that it's time for her to trust her instincts about the man's identity. The man dances a jig as he plays, stopping only when he spots the missing diary. Doctor! Tucking the recorder into his jacket, the doctor begins to read. Doctor, what's going to happen to us? 
I think we must have landed for some time. I think it's time we went for a stroll. The doctor grabs a stovepipe hat from the chest. Engrossed in his reading, he moves to the console and opens the TARDIS doors. But you don't know where we've landed! No, you haven't checked your system or temperature or anything! The doctor doesn't even look up from his book. Oxygen density 172, radiation bill, temperature 86. Strong suggestion of mercury deposits. Satisfied then? Now, are you two coming or are you not? Does know, as he said. Ben, didn't you hear him? Yeah, I heard. He might just have been copying you, though, mightn't he? The TARDIS has landed in a misty swamp. The ground is rocky and pitted with small bubbling pools, which occasionally spray a fine silver mist into the air. The doctor wanders away, still fascinated by the contents of the diary. Strolling directly towards a small pool of mercury, he is apparently oblivious to any danger, yet manages to successfully circumnavigate the obstacle without once looking up from his reading. Suddenly realizing what he's done, he stops and looks back, delighted at having outwitted the obstruction. But then he looks down and sloshes out of the watery puddle in which he is now standing. Are you coming, you two? The doctor continues on his way. After a short distance, he stops once more. A boulder blocks his path. Pulling a tape measure from his pocket, he takes some extensive measurements of the rock and scribbles some calculations on an empty page of the diary. The doctor glances round him. The boulder stands in a clearing and he could easily walk round it, but a look of mischief crosses his face. Backing up a few steps, the doctor looks down at his legs, flexing his knees. Time I put you through some tests, I think. Breaking into a run, the doctor successfully leapfrogs the boulder. Hello! A newcomer has entered the clearing. Hello! Is there anyone there? Hello! Hello! Why don't they come? He catches sight of the doctor. Oh, so you've come at last. I'm from Earth. I'm the examiner. The man crumples to the ground, shocked. <coughs> Horrified, the doctor's about to dive for cover when the thought occurs to him that the man might still be alive. He pauses and glances back at the cover of the rocks before, keeping his head low and looking warily about him, he approaches the fallen figure. Turning the body over, he sees that it's too late. The man must indeed have died instantly. Searching for some kind of identification, the doctor finds a large round badge. Automatically reaching into his top pocket, he pulls out a pair of wire-rimmed spectacles and puts them on. He squints at the badge and moves it backwards and forwards, trying to focus on it. Yet all he can see is a misty blur. He removes the spectacles and tries again. This time the text is clear. Realizing that he no longer needs glasses, the doctor returns them to his pocket, then reads aloud from the identity badge. Earth Examiner, accord every access. Vulcan. Behind the doctor, a figure looms out of the mist. Wearing an all-concealing white suit and goggles, the figure trains a pistol on the doctor's back. Doctor, where are you? The doctor turns at the sound of Ben's voice. The figure dodges out of sight. Close to the TARDIS, Ben and Polly are exploring the swamp. Oh, and it's hot. Mm. Do you think the air's like this everywhere? Nah, it might be just around here. I want too many lungfuls of it, I know that. 
Yeah, when I was a kid, we used to live off the brewery. You could take a walk and get tipsy all in one go. It's beautiful. Oh, don't touch it, Polly. I wasn't going to... That's Quicksilver. It gets through the pores. Where is that doctor or whatever he is got to? As Ben moves away, a cloud of mercury vapour catches Polly full in the face. Ladder! <coughs> hey, Polly! <coughs> Hey, Dr. Wave, you are quick to tell me how to put it! The doctor heads back to the TARDIS at a run. Pistol raised as a bludgeon, the suited figure steps out behind the doctor and knocks him down. The doctor grabs at the figure briefly before sinking to the ground, unconscious. Working quickly, the stranger presses something into the doctor's palm, then drags the examiner's body away. The doctor is left sprawled on the ground, a button clutched in his outstretched hand. Meanwhile, Ben is trying to drag the unconscious Polly to safety. Another cloud of mercury vapour rises from the pool. Doctor! The last thing Ben sees before he passes out is a white-suited figure holding a pistol, approaching fast. Sometime later, a young man in a white survival suit, goggles pushed up over his head, is kneeling beside the seemingly unconscious doctor. Another older man, similarly attired, approaches. Ah, oh, there you are. What have you got there? My people have found two more of them by one of the pools. This one's got a nasty bruise on the back of his head. All over his feet and knocked himself out, I suppose. I suppose so. Why don't they use the kit we send them? Yes. The other two have had a rather bad dose of fumes. The girl has, anyway. Girl? Yes. But she'll recover. Ben and Polly are helped into the clearing by two guards. These comic opera guards of yours do have some uses after all. I picked them for their physical fitness. I thought it wasn't for their IQ. Give me a hand with the examiner, will you? I wonder why Earth has chosen to send an examiner to Vulcan. Just now, I mean. I don't know. It's a mystery, isn't it? He isn't due for another two years. Ben is recovering. How do you feel? <coughs> we saw your rocket overshoot the landing area. I don't worry. Most of the ships from Earth do overshoot. I'm Quinn, Deputy Governor. Reagan, Head of Security. Let's get them all back, shall we? I'll take the girl. Yeah, you too. I'll carry the examiner. The guards lift the doctor between them. I suppose you Earth people can't wait to examine Lesterson's space capsule. Hi. Ben is startled as the doctor winks slyly at him. Lesterson, chief scientist of the Vulcan colony, is sitting in his laboratory polishing an oddly shaped piece of metal. A huge space capsule dominates one side of the room. Lesterson's assistant, Janley, joins him. Again, that was The Power of the Daleks. Um, it's a story by David Woodtaker and it's um, original audio from the episode with Lincoln narration by Annika Wills. And this could be your selection, if you wish it to be, for your free audiobook. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And now let's get back into the Dalek. Yeah, Are we uh, up to a point where you can bring anybody else in? Yeah, we, I, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's. Um, we have Kyle in the queue. If anyone like to um, join in uh, once again, you can um, always call in during the live show at seven two four 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 seven four four four. 
and the call ID number is 23358. We do the live shows on Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And, um, you know, it's, even though we're slotted for an hour, you, we usually go longer than that. So if you're, uh, you know, if you can't join us on the Internet at that time, you can always call in, you know, during that time for our show. Um, so, yeah. Um, and if you do, I think if you put yourself into the queue by hitting star, the asterisk key on your on your phone, star eight, I believe will put yourself in the queue. So let's get, uh, let's bring back Kyle back on the show. He joined us last week, and he's um he's back with us again. Welcome back, Kyle. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. How's uh, looks like we're all stuck inside a Dalek today. So I'll yes. give a few things that that I thought about. Um, first off, I thought uh, I'm really getting into the intro. Um, I'm hearing more and more of the Tom Baker uh, music, especially at the beginning. So I'm mm-hmm. really starting to enjoy that. Uh, one thing I noticed, and I was curious to see if anybody else noticed it too, did you notice that Danny had a limp whenever he was walking? Oh, yes, and could the, be a the, war when he was walking across the school playground, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm wondering, especially at the end when the doctor didn't uh, take the other girl with him because she was a soldier, I wonder if that's going to play a little bit into possibly why he will eventually get to at least travel, if not as a full-time companion, at least on a couple yeah. of adventures. Yeah, I think I so. how they're going to play that in. I, I think that was deliberate, you know, that, that Clara is now, you know, warming up to a, a, a soldier, and, you know, and she made a point at the end of this episode, you know, that she doesn't have a problem with soldiers. You know, at least she, I forget exactly how she said it, but, you know, she said that it's, I don't have I don't, to, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. With obvious reference. Is. With obvious reference to what the doctor had said, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, if I was looking for an overall theme here, you know, it was almost with the Dalek, the question of, are we predestined to be what we are? Because he went through so much going through with Clara and the others to change this good Dalek. And then at the end, the Daleks, you know, sees the hatred, sees his own hatred, and one thing that I noticed, and very, very rarely does Doctor Who creep me out. And the scene at the end, right, you know, right before uh, he goes back and Clara sees Danny, but the scene with the Dalek and uh, Capaldi and Clara as they're about to leave, with the Dalek looking back at the Doctor, that to me was very, very creepy. And I mean, good creepy, but yeah. you know, I, I I really liked how they uh, staged that and how they said, "No, Doug, you are a good Dalek." I, th- I thought that was, a, you know, a good, powerful scene. So kudos to them for that. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but uh, what did what did you guys think of uh, Missy, her uh, scene there? Yeah, let me. Uh... In terms of. The actress, or in terms of who, who we think that's going to turn out to be. No, no, no. What you, what, what are your feelings on what might be uh, transpiring here? Well, I mean, the, to my point, she's she's either some uh, adversary who's who's sort of keeping a catalogue of the Doctor's enemies, maybe to to. Uh, bring them against him uh, like was used in the Pandorica where all the different uh, 
uh, alien races got together against the Doctor. You know, the box is to put you in, Doctor. You're the, you know, you're the most dangerous man in the universe. Whether she's, uh, you know, you know, my was it my my enemies are my enemies are my friends or something, uh, and she's gathering them to it. But uh, again, I think it was on on this show, one shot last week, wasn't it? That somebody pointed out. Maybe it was you, Carla, that um, could she be an Eternal? Um, I mean, we know that the Eternals collect people like butterflies um, right. and have a different view of uh, things. Maybe she's an Eternal and, and and she's just taking a fancy to the Doctor as a, a sort of hobby, you know. She's the Black Guardian. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading the chat and I have to make a comment of something that... Jim and Kathleen just uh, referred to, and, and I actually like this idea. She, they say that she could be a corrupted version of Clara, and with the mention of my boyfriend, considering you know that they made such a good reference to that last week mm-hmm. about the doctor not being her uh, Clara's boyfriend. So that that's a good observation there. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. A possibility, that. Well, one thing I did notice. Uh, and I think this was also deliberate that we'll see later on in the series, is uh, I speculate uh, that the way that the um, person was saved in this episode by Missy is going to be exactly the same way that the doctor saved the soldier at the beginning. And, you know, to not have any spoilers here on something that I've read, I won't say any more than that, but I will say that I speculate that that has to be the same way that both of them, uh, you know, were saved. So, but all in all, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that I would like the Clara and this doctor's um, banter back and forth, but it's starting to grow on me. I'm having to relearn to like Clara because last episode really almost turned me off to her and uh, I'm learning to like her again so um, I think that's the purpose of bringing Danny in is to give that third point of view so to speak but all in all I think I would give it about a 3.5 out of 5 oh very good good uh, I, I suppose I should have said my I, I would certainly have a very strong 4 I think um, uh I may even move that up. I may even move my bing up. Uh, and um, for, for this week, I'll call it Four Rusties. <laughs> well, um, Shiraz, who was Shiraz 66, who had to leave, she was in uh, heat. I'm not sure if it was, if it's, a, if, uh, forgive me. Um, it's Trevor. Trevor is, um, uh, when you're in chat, you have, uh, you could use a, um, a handle. So I uh, forgive me. Um, so he had mentioned that... Handles? Handles? Was Handles meant? Uh, you're not the cyber... But Handles is to let himself go. Yeah. But uh, he had said that he had to go, and he's giving it um, four out of five for for this episode. All right, Kyle, thank you so much. and um, Thank you so very much. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, looking forward Cheers. to it. Cheers. Cheers. All right, let's, uh, we'll continue with another clip. Uh, what is this stuff? People. 
Daleks need protein. Occasionally they harvest from the victims. This is a feeding tube. There's Ross here. Yeah. Top layer, if you want to say a few words. A man has just died. You will not talk like that. A lot of people have died. Everything in here is dead. Do you know why that's good? There is nothing good about that. Nothing is alive in here, so logically, this is the weakest spot of the Daleks, internal security. Nobody guards the dead. Mortuaries and larders. Always the easiest to break out of war. I've lived a life. Tell Uncle Stupid that we're in. Ah, a bolt hole. He'll get us out of here. The difficult part is not killing him before he can. <laughs> bolt hole. Actually, a hole full of bolt. Doesn't nobody get that. Also, there's the puns. Watch it. Decontamination chips are hot. Anomaly threat displaced. Dialing levels returning to normal parameters. Rescue one to mission control. This is Blue Rescue One report. The Dalek has an internal defense mechanism. We've lost Ross. What kind of defense mechanism? That thing knows you're in there to help it. Yeah, well, who knows? It's a Dalek. We're going to continue the mission. Are you all right back there? It's a bit narrow, isn't it? Any remarks about my hips will not be appreciated. Ah, oh, your hips are fine. You're built like a man. Thanks. Quite funny quips in it, really. Yeah, uh, set the darkness. The, the banter between the two. Um, yeah, again, you know, and I thought that might have made an ep- a better episode name. You know, into into darkness instead of into the Dalek. It just um, seems to give it a, give it too much away with into the Dalek. Right. Yeah, let me. I'm gonna jump into another clip. This is a. Uh, uh, Something that I think that you were referring to before. How's he working out? It's hard to say. He's... I've got it. I know what's wrong with Rusty. Okay, that's good. Is that good? Well, you know how I said this was the most dangerous place in the universe? I was wrong. It's way more dangerous than that. Colonel, we have radiation indicators redlining in here. Could be that the Dalek is more badly damaged than we thought. Copy that. Old Rusty here is suffering a trionic radiation leak. It's poisoning the Dalek and does. Just as well we're here. Really? Perhaps we should get out while we can. Why should we trust a Dalek? Why would it change? Good question. Rusty, what changed you? I saw beauty. You saw what? The silence and the cold. I saw worlds burning. That's not beauty, that's destruction. I saw more. What? What did you see? The birth of a star. Stars born every day. You've seen a million stars born. So what? Alex have destroyed a million stars. Millions and millions. Trust me, I can count. And yet, new stars are born every time. Resistance is futile. Resistance to what? Life returns. Life prevails. Resistance is futile. So you saw a star being born, and you learned something. Oh, Dalek, do not be lying to me. Come on. Heading for the trionic power cell, Colonel. 
Radiation approximately 200 rads. Danger levels. Radiation levels increasing. Resistance is futile. That, that actually goes back to before the Borg. If you uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that it was in that too as well. Uh, um, it's a it's a it's a popular um, meme, if you will, in, in sci-fi. Now we haven't got anybody else in audio just at the moment, but we we've got uh, another rating or two in the the text. Ah uh, oh, yes. Uh, Wonder Dumbbell, uh, four out of five, really enjoyed it. Wonder Dumbbell, is that right? And Clarence. T. McKinnon, uh, five out of five. Wow. So uh, I think I think this was. Um, um, I'm not saying that the other episode was not a good episode, but I think some people um, had some issues with it, and maybe because of the length, some people. I mean. Don't get me wrong, I, I do like the first episode of a series to be long, um, but uh, this episode I think was nearly 47 minutes, which was a couple of minutes uh, over what we've sometimes come to have. Sometimes it's only been 43, 44, 45 minutes, uh, and we've had specials that have only been 65 minutes long, uh, and we had a, a special that was uh, an hour and 15 minutes, I think, so it was 85 minutes, 84 minutes. Uh, I thought the first one was a little bit overlong, had been stretched to fit, um, you know, a cinema viewing. Yeah. This to me uh, felt much more of a, a balanced episode um, and had all the makings of really, um, you know, good thing. Uh, and I yeah, was it was much it, tighter. My brother-in-law watched it. He, he you know, uh, he, he almost objected to Matt Smith being in the first one because he said, I've already accepted yeah. Cavalli. Yeah. He, he likes all the different doctors. It's not that he wanted anyone to go, but he, he said, you know, this man came on screen. And I thought, he's the doctor. And well, yeah, you know, there mean, was no, he, 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 oh, woe is me, where's my doctor gone? No, he has a point. I mean, in, in a sense, um, Matt Smith was competing with Peter, Bacop, uh, Peter Capaldi in last week's episode, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, yeah. it, it, I mean, I, as much as it was a nice scene and, uh, you know, it's something that I don't think we'll see again with future. I mean, who knows? But I, I, I think, um, you know, th there's a reason why um, you, you don't really see that in, you know, in the past either. Yeah, it was a brave decision to do it because it could have backfired. It could have taken the limelight off Peter Cavalli as, a, as it is he's such a commensurate actor that I don't think it did um, and let's face it I mean Matt Smith in his own way uh, he had to follow uh, you know David Tennant very big shoes I thought to fill still my favourite doctor um, who he supplanted the second doctor um, but I think there's an awful lot here, and I, I definitely get the sense that uh, we, we are seeing, um, uh, was it a reimagining of Doctor Who here? Uh, I hope we're going to get a little bit away from the fairy tales, which is one I of the reasons so. why this Missy thing yeah. I could almost do without. Same here. Because this story seems a little bit hard science fiction to me. You know, it was in the mould of 42 and, and stories like that where, you know, we're out in space. Uh, and, you know, we've got a, a problem to solve. 
Um, so I don't really want to be dragged back to some sort of, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Unfortunately, I think we are. woman yeah. with an umbrella. No, I, I agree. I, I, it was, in fact, when she appeared in this episode, it was sort of a disappointment. You know, I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is what it's gonna be. Every episode, you know, when someone dies, I guess we're gonna expect them to. Um, Missy's gonna, you know, welcome to have, welcome them to heaven. Right. Well, and 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 to that point, here we go. Tell me the truth. Is he mad or is he right? I've come this far. Probably gonna die anyway. Wouldn't I have something to do for the rest of my life? Is he mad or is he right? Hand on my heart. Most days he's both. One question then. Is this worth it? I can turn one Dalek, I can turn them all. I can save the future. Gretchen, Alison, Carlisle. Do something good and name it after me. I will do something amazing. I promise. Done well better. So I guess we're yep. we're going to be seeing more of Missy in um, in up, upcoming episodes. That, that thing about that girl sacrificing herself there, she knew it was a death sentence. Once she fired that thing, and it sort of stab would it would stab and hold the line in for them to 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 get up there. Um, that's a, a, an old trope of Doctor Who, isn't it? Where you know the, the, somebody sacrifices them, like in Midnight, we've got the. Uh, you know the the woman that runs the car, who, um, mm-hmm. who sacrifices herself, and and in oh so many ways, and um, you know the oncoming storm thing that was talked about, uh, and the um, uh, Martha when she says uh, about the doctor, you know that um, you know people burn around him. Um, so uh, you know, I I do feel as though this is Doctor Who. Now that that doesn't mean that it hasn't been Doctor Who for a while. But I, I do feel as though there's definitely been a, a little bit of, um, you know, a, a repositioning of uh, of things. Uh, hopefully not getting too fanciful, although the missy aspect of it worries me somewhat. Uh, and, and, and into good storytelling, an episode that you can sit down and you're not scratching your head too much. But yet when you, you watch it back a few times, there's some lots of little clues in there uh, and maybe... Uh, things that are, um, you know, portent for things to come. I don't really want to know. I mean, if Kyle or anybody else here knows anything else, don't put anything else in in about future episodes because um, there may be people in the chat, client, myself included, that, that, that are trying to sort of 
watch and enjoy these episodes as they unfold. We've we've only got twelve of them. We're, we're we're one episode down, aren't we? On uh, last year, well, we've got thirteen, but we think the thirteenth is the Christmas one. We're not getting thirteen and a Christmas one, so um, these weeks will go thick and fast. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're into September coming up soon. Happy Labor Day for those people in the states tomorrow. Uh, and if you're listening to this edit that Lewis has taken 15 days to get out, <laughs> then uh, I hope you had a lovely uh, Labor Day two weeks ago. Happy Halloween! Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I could really, I mean, they could extract Missy, the Missy component out of these episodes, and I would be fine with that. I, I don't think, I, you know, I expressed it last week that I don't think every series, every season, if you will, needs to have an, a, um, an arc. You know, uh, a, a over, you know, a not going through all the episodes, you know, and that's going to lead up to the series finale and it's going to be epic and all that. Um, you know, you could have an epic series finale, but it doesn't need to be something that, you know, piece by piece we start, you know, have to, you know, piece things together. And I don't, it's, you know, I'm not saying that you can't do it once in a while, but it just seems like it's formula now. You know, every, you know, you know, it's just like we have a Dalek episode every every series, every season, but I, someone had said, I don't know how true this is, that it was, um, that was part of the, getting the rights to use the Daleks in the new series, that, that they had to um, agree to use them every, every year. Because in the past, right. we've gone years without Daleks, you know, and then they would come back, and it made their return that much more epic. Now it's sort of standard fare, you know, we're going to see at least one Dalek per series, per season. You know, overall, oh. I, I mean, I enjoyed this episode, I liked it, though um, I'm not going to give it as strong as a rating as, as some of the others. I'm, I'm going to give it three out of five TARDIS groans. Uh, I was, you know, I, I, as I implied before, you know, it, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it just seemed like the main theme of it going inside the Dalek has been used before, and I, I wish it was more original. I wish, I mean, I really enjoyed um, that it was a story that took place in the future in space and not on Earth. I enjoyed the scenes with uh, Clara and, and the Doctor, and I enjoyed the scenes with uh, Clara and Danny Pink and, and their introduction and where things are going there. Um, I liked the, 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 the theme of, um, you know, what was going on with the Dalek and having to, you know, the, the um, you know, trying to change the Dalek into good and, 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 and that thing, I just wish it was done in a different way instead of actually physically shrinking down and going inside the Dalek. I, I you know, like I said, I, I think we've seen this before. And um, so I, I just I thought that part of it, that 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 aspect of this episode was not as original as I had hoped it was going to be. But otherwise, um, you know, I didn't hate it. I liked it. Um, I thought the pacing was better. There was lots, of, you know, and I think they probably invested a lot of their budget into the effects, the um, the special effects here, the space scenes, the lots of explosions at the end. There we have Daleks exploding and <laughs> every every other scene, and um, so um, so yeah. I just, I just wish um, maybe they went a different route with with getting from point A to point B in this episode instead of you know treading through areas that we've already been through before or you know but for younger viewers this might be all new material so you know um it could be my own bias okay and just a reminder 
if you want to give your feedback and you're not here live, you can always send it to uh, feedback at podshock.net. You can record something. Uh, most smartphones have voice memo capabilities. You can record something there and just send it to us um, to that address, that feedback at podshock.net. Or you can just even type an email to it, though. This is an audio podcast, so we do prefer audio, but um, we'll take whatever feedback you have. Or you can call the Podshock public call box, and that works like voicemail. You call 206-337-4699, and that's, again, that's a U.S. number. 206 is an area code in the U.S., so just be aware of that. Call anytime, um, 24 hours a day, 28 hours a day. How, how many hours you have in your day, you can call it and leave a message. All right, well, I think... Um, Are we going to go with the next time better or not? We can, we can. Here we go. There is someone that I always wanted to meet. It's Robin Hood. No damsels in distress. Seize him! No pretty castles. No such thing as Robin Hood. That's what we'll be reviewing next week at the same channel, same time. Excellent. And you can also um, catch the Cultum Collective, which is on two hours before us at 2 p.m. Day, uh, Eastern Daylight Time on TalkShoe, and uh, they're covering Doctor Who as well. And Dave, um, Dave and Ian are hosting that. Yep. You're most welcome to join us. Call ID 54821. All right, so it's not only Doctor Who Day on Saturday, it's Doctor Who Weekend, because you, Saturday you got new Doctor Who, and Sunday you spend the whole day talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, well, thank you, Dave, and thank you all our listeners and, and all our participants in chat and uh, voice and, um, you know, every... Oh, we got the smoke signals as well, um, though they take a little bit to, a little bit more time to decipher. But um, so until next week, I guess that's it, right? Yep. And by then we won't be rusty anymore, will we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was complaining last week being rusty. So uh, I, now I'm now I'm uh, well, whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not rusty. All right. I'm I'm just well. Never mind. I'm working with no sleep here. I'm still up from yesterday, so uh, forgive Coffee me. Coffee over here, please. Coffee for Mr. Lewis Trapani. Uh, yeah, Coffee, I, I got some iced tea here. Um, I had coffee right before it. So uh, forgive my little... Um, if, I, if I sound like a bit of an airhead, uh, but whatever. I'm, I'm tired of apologizing for my uh, lack of sleep. So, uh, But cheers. Until next week, have fun. Enjoy your week. Enjoy as, as Dave said, if you're celebrating Labor Day or even if you're not in labor... Um, celebrate the weekend and celebrate your time and uh, be safe and um, we'll see you here next week cheers bye bye you have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock presented to you by the fan run GallifreyMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way 
Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Inform that ridiculous contraption that I am not rusty.